sure you guys be here. I know, like me, several of you have to make a decision to be here. And as Zach was talking about earlier, that we don't take that lightly. We make sure this is a time well spent while you are here. And I hope by the time we're done, God will have spoken to each and every one of you as he has me in the preparation of all of this. But getting back to the desert, those don't seem to be good places. Now, some of you like to do deserts. I'm not one of those guys. I can't figure out where I drive to Yuma to see my dad. Why on earth people go camping there in the desert? This is not something I understand at all. But it's something some of you do, so go, go for it. To me, a dry place is not a good place to be. In fact, in Matthew chapter 12, we have a story about a guy that had a, a demon. And that demon got kicked out. And we're going to worry about how that happened. All we know is he got kicked out. And it said it must have been a kind of an arduous fight to get him kicked out because it said the demon went to the dry place to rest. And so he goes there to the dry place. After a while, he's getting rested. He gets bored. So he said, I'll go back home. And he goes back home, but he finds this guy, and the inside is it's all clean. Everything's in order. All the chairs where they belong, all the tables where they belong, the bed is made, the entire house is in order. You go, ah, it's pretty nice. So he goes get seven of his buddies who were worse than he was, and brought him back, and that's where they went to live. It says that the last day of the man was worse than the first. You ever had a dry place? Ever been to a dry place in your life when you walked with God? I know for me, there's times I'll, you know, it's, it's awesome when it's really cool and it's vibrant and, and God is speaking to you and, and the word's jumping off the pages and it's great. You go to worship service and all those fun stuffs are happening. Anybody like that? Okay, good. I'm, I'm with you on that. But if you ever sat down and you picked up your Bible and you sat there and I got nothing. You try to pray and, you know, you don't even know where to start because you just got nothing. Or maybe it's a situation where in a dry place that, that you're in is that you maybe you've never experienced an abundant life. You've lived this life, and many times it's a religious life, but you've never got to the point where you have lived this abundant life. And so you're living in a dry place thinking that's normal. That's the way it's supposed to be. Thinking that's what the Bible is talking about. Right? Now, some of you in this room know exactly what I'm talking about because you used to be that. And thank God you're not born. But I'll tell you right now, I know that at this side, there are some in this room who think this is normal. They have no idea what they're missing over here. We're going to talk about that, right? Because what is the problem here? The dry places are where the demons are. Dry places are where the attacks come. It was in the dry place of the desert where Jesus was tempted. There's no abundant life in the dry place. Demons go to rest there. It's one thing for them to do that, guys, it's quite another for us to go rest in the dry place. No matter where you are. And be real. No matter where you are, if you knew that there was something better, something more, wouldn't you want it? I don't care how good life is. If you knew that no matter how good your life was right now, if you knew that yet that is not all there is, there is something more, there is something better, would you not want to strive for that? Would you not want to find out how to get that? I'm here not to tell you that there is something better. I don't care where you are, you're 
right place, you may be here. There is something better. This is the way our God works. He promised it. But to experience that, we got to ditch the desert. We're going to talk about that tonight. Ditching the desert demands that we starve the beast by feeding faith to three things. If you want to starve the beast by feeding faith to our wits, our words, and our walk. And now you know why I use the wits, because it starts with a W, and all preachers have to have everything alliterated. I mean our minds. Our wits, our minds, our words, and our walk. Let's start with our minds, what we think. The story chapter, like the second time, Samuel chapter 11, is a very, very famous story. I mean, you don't even have to go to church many times, so it's about the story of David and Bathsheba. We have a situation there where it says, in the time that the kings went out to war, David was in his palace in Jerusalem. And he's in his palace, and it's nighttime, and he can't sleep. And so he goes up on the roof of his palace, and he's kind of looking around, and something catches his eye. And he looks, whoa. And then another camera. And then he looks again. And, and then he keeps looking, and then he starts looking some more, and he sees this woman on the roof below where he is. Her name is Bathsheba. You know the story. And she's taking her back. I was wondering if that's why that was her name. I'm trying to that Bathsheba was bathing. Now David sees this, and he keeps seeing this, and he's feeding his eyes with this. And you all know what happened. It's, it's, it's very predictable. Guys, we're guys. How many guys are guys in here? Okay, I'm going to make sure. So we're guys, and as guys, you go to the gym, you go out, everything else is it gets the attention. And we have to be careful about that. David didn't. He went to the second look and the third look and the fourth look and then the stare and the lust. And he took that whole thing in and it was predictable that there was an affair. There's a pregnancy. He kills her husband and the baby dies. All because David went to a dry place. He was feeding the beast. Starving his family. And that's how we think of it. How do you do this? How do you starve the beast? It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, in the first part of verse 9, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. We're going to talk about that. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. It simply says that Peter's telling us in that scripture, pay attention. To what you're paying attention to. Pay attention to what's going on up here. What should have happened with David. David should have been in the war. He was the king. It was the time when kings go to war and he wasn't there. But let's pass that for now. What he should have done when he walked up there and he glimpsed Bathsheba was say no. And turn and walk away. Not feed that beast. Not fall for that lie. Feed his faith. No, he, he fed the beast. And what it says here, Peter says, just say no. When those thoughts come to your mind, when those thoughts, when those sights come through your eyes, when those things come to your ears, and those are things that are going to take you to a dry place, say no. Say, guys, it is as simple and as hard as that. It's as simple and as hard. It's simple. Say no. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard. 
Sebastian's cave. <laughs> the things that would take you to the dry place, that is another thing. They're enticing. And they invite you. You look around and see other people doing those same things, and they seem to be okay. But you know in your spirit it's a no. It's as simple as a no, but that no is hard. It says here in Peter, just say no, don't give the beast an inch. Now there's a problem there that I do want to point out when it comes to this process of starving the beast and, 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 and feeding the faith. Is that if you just spend your life starving the beast, if you just spend your life just saying no to everything, you're going to be that guy who got rid of the one demon, cleaned his house, and had everything in order. And you'll be that person who you're always in church. You read your Bible. You are. You do everything right. You follow the Ten Commandments. You know. You know those people, right? And they're full of seven demons because all you did was say no. You can't do have to do more than just say no. You have to do more than start the feast. You got to feed the faith. The same David that messed up with Bathsheba went to this dry place said in Psalm one nineteen eleven. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. David learned you don't just starve the beast, you feed the faith. He hid the word in his heart so he wouldn't go to the dry place. It's not rocket science. Pick up the word. Read it. Don't pick up the word and read it just when you feel good about it. Pick up the word and read it when you're like me sometimes and it's like, dull. I got nothing. Nothing's jumping off the page. It's still the word of God. It's not like a science gentlemen. God's word displaces these demons in our lives. God's word is that word. It displaces them. They, they can't compete with the word of Almighty God because it's the word Almighty God. And that Almighty God said that His Word will do what He said it will do. It will not return to Him void. There are promises involved in this thing. If we are in a dry place and we're hearing these voices, what good will it do? Why pick up your Bible? That doesn't make any sense. It's irrational. That is Satan himself, gentlemen, and stop listening. Say no to God. If that's where you start, you begin to avoid those dry places. If you're in the dry place already, that's your Catholic house. Get in the Word. So the next question is, what are you filling your mind with? In today's society, I'm fortunate. And I know there's a lot of thoughts right now, I just want to ask that question. I can see your eyes. Of the things that we can fill our, our minds with. The TV, the movies, the porn, the stuff we read, stuff we see. Take an inventory. Are you starving the beast or feeding it? Are you starving the beast or feeding it? Who's getting fatter? Your faith or the beast? Yeah. And sometimes it's just a function of am I in the word or not? Or a function of am I in the word? I'm, on, I'm watching porn and I'm also in the word. What's the problem here, guys? Paul talked about we can't have both. 
good water and bad water cannot proceed from the same. You want to avoid the dry place. Pay attention to the bills in your mind. David fed the beast. First part of that was he wasn't where he was supposed to be. He was a king. It's the time of kings go to war. He wasn't going to war. He was back in the safety of the palace. Gentlemen, how many of you have been around here since the first season of Man to Man when I started teaching? What do we say about the war? That's our reality. We live in a reality where we have the spiritual dimension that we have heaven and hell fighting each other for you and me. And we have to choose sides. And if we're going to be like King David was at this point and go back to the palace, we have abdicated to the enemy. David was not where he was supposed to be, and he was not doing what he was supposed to be doing. Instead of being king, and that ultimate gatekeeper in the gate of Israel, as you are a gatekeeper in the gate of your marriage, and the gate of your family, and the gate of your job, and the gate of your community, and the gate of your soccer team, if all those places that where you are the gatekeeper, in his case, rather than being the gatekeeper, he was the royal creeper. He's up on the roof, ogling some woman. Gentlemen, rather than being the gatekeeper of your marriage and your family and your job, what are you doing? Are you out to war on their behalf? Or are you back in the palace? David entered a dry place where the demons were in costume. We choose what to think about, right? Choose wisely. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but his power of love and of a sound mind. I just, we, those of you who have been around church a while, I've heard that before. I just want to paint on one little truth that just hit me between the eyes and took every excuse I ever had about walking to the dry place away from me. It says right there in that verse, 2 Timothy 1, 7, that our discipline, our sound mind, the way we think is supernatural. God gave us a spirit of a sound mind. You can say no. You can say no to feeding the beast. You can starve the beast. And you can feed your faith. But you've got to listen to the spiritual warnings. It's the deserts. We've got to keep our wits about us. But we also have to carefully choose our words. There's a story in, chapter, in Numbers chapter 22. A guy named Balaam, he's a prophet of God. There's another guy, his name is Balaam. And he's, he, he was wanting to hire Balaam to come and curse the Israelites. Now, that's not going to be true to God. So God tells Balaam, don't do it. Don't, don't go. Don't, don't even go. Balaam says, I can't come, and even if I did come, he's telling Balaam, like, even if I did come, all I can do is bless. I can only say what God tells me to say. I can't do anything else. He eventually went anyway, and then you know all maybe you know the story. He's on the way, riding his donkey, and as he's riding a donkey, up in front, where Balaam can't see, is this angel of God. Now, you don't have to do a lot of study in scripture to understand these are tough dudes. These are tough dudes. Now, one of them took out 180,000 people. I mean, these guys are studs. And there's this angel of God, and he's got his sword drawn, and if Balaam goes any further, he's going to die. And the donkey sees this. Well, now, think about that. The donkey saw what the man did. 
Donnie sees this, this, this angel there, and he stops, and he starts trying to get it right around this, this narrow path, and he keeps knocking up against the wall and hurting Nathan's leg, and Nathan's getting mad, and he's hitting him, and he's cursing at him, and the donkey finally speaks with the man's voice, and why are you hitting me? What did I ever do to you? Tell me that I always been faithful to you? Then what always amazed me is that Nathan hands him back. And he did that, and, and, and so they had this conversation, and then the angel was revealed to Balaam. It's a great story. But what I want to point out about that whole story is one simple minutia of the fact. If words mean nothing, if words have no power, how did God give her what Balaam did? God is God. He's the Almighty God, the creator of the universe, the creator of you and me. Why did he care what Balaam said if words had no power? Yet he wanted to kill him before he was allowed to curse Israel. Because words have power. Real power. In this reality that we're looking around here, this stuff here that we can touch and taste and feel and hear and all those five senses there, okay, I get that. That sounds kind of weird. That words have real power. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Maybe that might be true. I don't believe it, but maybe it might be true here. Gentlemen, when you consider the heavens, that they are the handiwork of God, and that that is the reality that God deals with. Dimensions that we don't see, that we read about in Scripture, by the way, that hasn't changed. When we consider those things, and when God says, your words have power, gentlemen, your words have power. And we have to be careful about how we use them, because we're either going to go to the right place by feeding the beast our words, or we're going to experience abundant life as we fed our faith our words. So let's talk about that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe, and therefore we speak. When it comes to starving with these gentlemen, we speak with the belief. I'll never know. I'll never be with this. I'll never find it. I'll never lose the weight. I'll never get the shit. I'll never, I'll never. I can't, I can't, I won't. Who are we feeding with those words? We think those things and we say those things and we wonder why we have a dry life when that is not what God has designed us for. We have to remember who are we in Christ? We are children of the Most High God. Now, let me say that again. I want this to have some impact because I want you to hear me. We, all of us in this room, are children of God himself. We are heirs and co-heirs with Jesus. This is what Scripture tells us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives and works in us too. This is not small stuff. And so when we speak, we speak as a child of the Most High God. We speak as heirs and co-heirs with Jesus. We, see, we speak through the spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. Gentlemen, our words have power. We never say that. We feed the faith. The same scripture, 2 
spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. But what do we speak? I don't say I'll never I'll know I can't. I speak what God says about me. I speak what God says about me. He says, I love you. He says, when I look at you, I see the righteousness of my righteousness in you because of Christ Jesus. I see that you are healed. I see that, I see that you have power. I see that you have abundant life. I have this abundant life, I promise you. I see you in that life. I've, I've been there, I've, I've been the beginning, I've been the end, I see the whole thing, and I have promised that to you. We need to speak that. Speak what God speaks about you. Gentlemen, I know there's guys in the room right now. I used to be one of them. You're looking at stuff ahead of you. I'm going to talk about that towards the end, about in more detail. But you look at this stuff ahead of you, and you have these dreams and aspirations of what you want to accomplish in life. I, I have to believe that was put in your heart by God. He puts you on this earth to do something. You're not here to just take up space and use up air. And you've got to put everything between that and where you are. You think you're too small. You don't have what it takes. There's too many hard things in the way. And God says, you are my child. My favor surrounds you like a shield. My righteousness is your righteousness because of Christ Jesus. That is how God sees you. Speak what God says about you. And as you speak what God says about you, hold on to your hat because you have it. I can tell you from personal experience, you have no idea who you're in for. But it certainly is not dryness. It's God's abundant life. What we say matters. My challenge to you guys is don't talk yourself into the desert. Talk yourself out of it. Your marriage is not about want. My marriage will never make it. My marriage will never make it. My job will never turn into anything. No, my job will turn into something. My health will never, I'll never give in to my own healing by the stress of distress. You speak what God says about you. And then thirdly, it matters about the walk. The story of Luke chapter 17, about 10 lepers. Jesus comes upon these guys. Lepers were, well, they were lepers, you know. They weren't supposed to be around society. They had to stay away as they're walking if they see somebody, they have to yell, and I forget what the distance was, but at minimum distance, they had to yell, unclean. They were the pariah of the society that American taste disease, and it was a ugly way to go. Cuts across ten of them. Jesus being Jesus goes right up to them. He's going to touch them. They want to be healed. They want to join the society. What I always found interesting about that story is Jesus didn't heal them like that. He just said, go show the high priest. And here's the key guys on their wall. They were healed on the way. They were healed on the way. Jesus told them to do something. He told them to take a step and another step and another step. He told them to take this step. And they had to take those first few steps with no results. How many times have we taken steps with no results and after the first three or four steps, I asked not going to work and we quit. What would have happened if those ten had just quit right then? 
No, they walked out their faith. We always give the other nine a bum deal. We're hard on them because they didn't come back and thank Jesus. But gentlemen, they walked out their faith. And they got healed. And this whole thing about our walk, many times, is we don't know where we're going. We want to have all the answers up front. I do too. I work with you. I want to know where it is and what the plan is and how it's going to happen. And on and on and on it goes. It's normal. It's human. Guys, we're spiritual. And Jesus says to us, take that step. Let's change. Take that step. It says, Abraham, when he was sent out towards the promised land, towards the land that he was going to inherit, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to the place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. I love this part. Even though he did not know where he was going. We walk. If we don't know, even though we don't know where it's going to go, God has said the other we did. And God, I don't mean, let me let me kind of break this down. I, I don't have this in my notes, but I don't want this to get spiritualized. I want this to be weaponized. When I talk, when I say things like, when God tells you to take a step, take a step, even though you don't know where at, where it's going, that means nothing. It means nothing, generally. But my prayer right now is in every brain right now, God is planning something in your brain. It says, this step. What's that step of faith? That wasn't me. But what's that step of faith? That first step is on your phone. No. What's that step of faith that you have something in you? <laughs> Something in you is saying, I've got to go this direction. And you just haven't done it. Can I challenge you to do it? What's the worst that could happen if you take a step of faith with the right intentions? God, I'm trying to glorify you. I don't know if this is the right direction, but something he says I need to do this and this. Let's put some practical application to the spiritual weaponized principle that we stuck out of faith without knowing where we're going and trusting God. And more than that, it's because we walk where we know where we don't know where we're going, but we also do it when we don't yet see the answer. That is the definition of faith. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for. It's the assurance of what we do not yet see. Faith is trusting that God knows more than we do and acting on it. Stay out of the dry places. What we do matters. Are we going to walk to the dry life or are we going to step out of faith and through the abundance life? It all comes down to what are you going to feed? If you're going to feed this, you're going to get this. But if you're going to starve this and you're going to feed the faith, there's more, gentlemen. I don't care where you are in life. Good, bad, or indifferent. I guarantee you the God that says, my ways are higher than your ways, as high as the heavens are above the earth, are my ways and my thoughts. That God can think more than you can. I, I know there's guys here who have really big plans and are doing that 
I can tell you right now, you ain't nothing compared to what God can think. And, and I say to you, let him have his way with you. Let him take you to places you can't even imagine because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Don't feed he who's in the world. Feed your faith and see where God takes you to him. It is an awesome way to live. And I'm not saying it's always all rosy and flowers. I'm just saying that even in the hard times, you are kicking evil butt. You're putting your boot on Satan's neck because you're walking in the power of God and in the faith of God. And that's what men of God do, gentlemen. That's what we do. Tim Peppers fed their faith by doing one thing. They took a step before they saw the Lord. Kissing the desert means we start the beast by feeding faith in our wits, our words, and our walk. That's a little more. Don't you want them to? Those of you who've been around a while know that the story of Ezekiel's valley of dry bones is a life changing story for me. It is my passion to speak into the church and raise the dry bones. For them to, for the church to come alive, for the spirit to flow in such a way where it is, we, we see it in the book of Acts, we should see it today. We don't have to accept mediocrity. We don't have to accept failure. We don't have to accept hopelessness. We don't have to accept dryness. Gentlemen, we don't have to speak or accept that. We can have excellence. We can have success, hope, and life. That path through. To get there, we're going to need God. Because I said there's somebody out there who's going to do everything he can do to stop him. But again, greater is he that's in you than new. Here's some hope. The fact is, if you want to start the beast and feed the faith, what you think matters. What you say matters. What you do matters. Dry places are where the demons be. Nothing good happens there. And it's not necessary. Get off the game. That's what Moses did. Moses spent 40 years after he was in Egypt. I know that he was 40 years in the wilderness. Did you know where he met God? At the backside of the wilderness. So There are some men here tonight. I know where they at the backside of the wilderness. Some of you may not even have understood that there's more than this. That this is for everyone who's in Christ. Some of you know that this is existing, but you're frustrated that you're not there. And I hope you've understood that you can look, you can take an inventory. What am I feeding? What am I feeding with my mind? What am I feeding with my words? What am I feeding with my walk? And we can take those steps. I'm going to pray for you here in a second. I'm going to pray for you about getting you out of this dry place. And you know what? There's a place in between the dry place and the abundant life. It's kind of like a good place. Things aren't bad. Things aren't good. Uncomfortable. Gentlemen, get out of there. You are a holy priesthood. 
Those hands that have been raised or are specific men who have, by raising their hands, said, I need, I need more, I want more. They're asking for that to be right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you that that's going to happen. Jesus' name. Amen. Two things. In my notes here, I, uh, I plan on going straight to the discussion time. There's something on my heart that's kind of related to what we've talking about. But it's a word that I believe God is giving to someone here tonight. <coughs> I was reading in uh, the book of Exodus, the story of the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea. And, and just got these pictures and things. And so I'm, just, I'm not going to tell the story. You know the story that we have the, the, the east wind blows and, and the crossover on the right land and the walls of the water on both sides. And, Ferris buried down. Can you get the picture? I believe there's some men here tonight who are in a situation in their lives where they know where they need to go. This whole thing we're talking about is abundant life. They know where they need to go, but everything in front of them is impossible. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, an ocean between you and it. Oh, and by the way, there's a storm coming. That east wind, and there's a storm in your life, maybe your marriage, your job, or something else. And you know that that's where you need to go, but there's this and there's this storm. And I'm here to tell you, and I believe this is for somebody here, maybe certainly. That storm is part of the solution. It's part of the solution that is going to create the dry land that's going to actually give you the path through the very barrier that's in front of you. And it's going to convey you to that, but you've got to take the step. You've got to put your foot in the water. I don't know that's one, but that's something I just want to share with somebody tonight. And I'll move on. We have the, the, the 
questions here. I'm going to run board yet. Let me get those out there. Oh, the good questions. There's three questions that we're going to quickly go over. First one is, what are some steps we can take to feed the faith when it comes to what we think about what God has promised? And the subsequent question is version of that. Steps we can take to feed the faith when it comes to what we say and feed the faith when it comes to what we do. What I would like for you to do, I'm not looking for anything heavy. I just want you to talk about the importance of what you what you put in your mind, what you say, and what you do about it when it comes to avoiding this and getting into this. You have about 20 minutes and we'll be back there and get some questions. 